This episode of Kidlet These Days is sponsored by Book Riot Deals, our daily roundup of the best books on sale. Every morning, our editors scour the internet to find the very best books on sale from as many genres as possible. We find bestsellers and prize winners, great book club reads, and under-the-radar staff favorites. We'd love more people to know about. There's YA, middle grade, adult, fiction, nonfiction, and more. Go to bookriot.com slash deals to check out our finds of the day and to sign up for our newsletter. We'll send the day's picks straight to your inbox. That's bookriot.com slash deals. And welcome to episode 52 of Kidlit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kidlit These Days, we are your Kidlit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Nicole Young, alongside my co-host, Nusra Javed, and we are here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's literature to engage through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on April 12th, 2021. Today is the final episode of Kid Lit These Days. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with us in the world of Kids Lit. You can find more Kid Lit news and book recommendations by signing up for our newsletter, The Kids Are All Right, at bookriot.com slash newsletters. And we hope you'll tune in to our other podcasts, which you can find at bookriot.com slash listen. That said, on today's episode, we are highlighting children's literature written in verse uh, from picture books all the way up to middle grade. Uh, but first, I want to say hi, Nusra. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Good. Happy belated birthday. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's also <laughs> an exciting time um, around besides my birthday because a lot of Muslims in North America are getting ready for the f- uh, first Ramadan tomorrow, yeah. uh, including my household. So it's it's been a busy Monday. <laughs> How do you celebrate Ramadan? So uh, what we do is we usually fast from dawn to uh, dusk. So basically when the sun sets and then we uh, break our fast with like a glass of water, a date, and then have a proper meal. And this goes on for like 29 to 30 days. And then we have a huge feast at the end um, called Eid. And it's uh, honestly all Muslims wait uh all year round for this uh like for this month just because every blessing is tenfold in this month like any act of worship any act of um any act of charity it gets reward the rewards are like you know on multiple levels so all muslims are excited for this month and it's very much a month of like togetherness it's covid time so um we still can't like get together and pray like we usually do mm-hmm. but before covid it's a lot of like offering prayers together getting together with our, the local community lots and lots of charity um helping anyone who is who maybe needs food who needs resources any kind of help and it's just it's just a time of like charity positivity and just togetherness so it's a very exciting that. time in our household. I love that. So your birthday comes right before Ramadan. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just That's in time. Great. Just in time to eat all the cake and then, you know. 
<laughs> before I have to, you know, fast for the whole day. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So in addition to Ramadan, it is also National Poetry Month. Yes. Um, in April. So we decided that we were going to do this episode about children's books in verse. And I was wondering, were there books that you loved that were poetry books or books in verse when you were a kid? So my, uh, a lot of my childhood, like I, I've mentioned, talked about this uh, on the show before, like in, uh, you, I, I grew up in uh, the Middle East and you, United Arab Emirates, and we didn't have a lot of books, like in the sense that, um, there was just a very limited selection, but I do remember, uh, so my first language is Urdu. So <laughs> mm-hmm. there are a lot of like, Urdu, my dad used to bring me a lot of Urdu to- poetry books that I used to read. And then um, I read a lot of Annette Blitton, which, you know, is like, which is all, like Twiddle, I think it was called the Twiddle D series, like, which is mm-hmm. always like, um, which always has like a rhythmic thing to it but I I didn't get to read much as much poetry as I would have liked to but I did read a lot of it in Urdu so if you know if anyone wants Urdu recs please hit me up but (laughs) but I also feel like I've read a lot of poetry and this is adult poetry like translated from Urdu I feel like um like the language of Urdu has produced beautiful poetry throughout the ages yes um yeah yeah. Um, well, I was a big fan, as many kids who were growing up in the 90s were, of Shel Silverstein. So <laughs> I read all the Shel Silverstein. And in fact, my mom and I used to pick my favorite poem. She'd let me pick my favorite poem. And then we'd read, we'd switch off reading oh, verses. Oh. <laughs> um, and so I was, I was going to highlight one of my favorite poems, which I'm sure also a lot of 90s kids it was their favorite poem too. Um, but it's called Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout Would Not Take the Garbage Out. Um, and I just wanted to read one verse because it's like my favorite, it's one of my favorite poems. But Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out. She scoured the pots and scrubbed the pans, candied the yams and spiced the hams. And though her daddy would scream and shout, she simply would not take the garbage out. And the poem, <laughs> I love the that poem so is so great because it just goes on. And so like the everything piles up and eventually like this wave of trash like explodes <laughs> out of her house and carries her down the like down the block and out of the, you know, whatever. I just remember loving that poem as a kid. So. Yeah. So I'm hoping to share a lot of those with my daughter. So I know I have put aside like Jacqueline Woodson's books yes. uh, to like when she is a little bit older and um but yeah like shell silver she is another one that i have like waiting in line for her i just find it's a little stressful at times because you want to curate your reading experiences and then there's this little human that you also want to give you know a well-rounded reading experience to but Mm -hmm. i definitely hope to share like you know like the ones the favorites that you've mentioned with her and um hopefully make some memories I love that. Well, you want to go to the next sponsor, and then we can get back into talking about poetry. Yes. So um, this show is sponsored in part by Martian Ghost Centaur by Matt Higerty and Steph Maidat. Once a booming tourism destination, Southboro has a lot has lost most of its visitors ever since folks stopped believing that Sasquatch could be real. When a tech company starts buying up the town and pushing out all the people and places that make it special, a tenacious teen named Louie will do everything she can to save her town, including planning a bizarre, elaborate hoax. Full of humor, 
apart and hilarious hijinks, Martian Ghost Centaur offers a touching story about protecting the things you love and following your passion. It is set in the Pacific Northwest, the birthplace of the Sasquatch, and it deals with uh, fantastic themes of um, just fight, fighting against gentrification. It's excellent uh, for a tween to YA audience. So again, that's Martian Ghost Centaur by Matt Hagerty and Steph Maidad. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Um, so I'm so excited to keep talking about poetry. So I feel like um, there has been kind of an explosion in, especially in middle grade, books in verse, right? I don't remember as a kid having a lot of books in verse. I remember there being like illustrated poetry books, right? So Shel Silverstein Falls to, comes to mind. Um, I remember reading Nikki Giovanni poems like that were illustrated, things like that. But um, I don't remember many middle school novels in verse, but that has become, there's a trend happening right now and there are more and more books in verse. And I just think that um, as we're celebrating like natural National Poetry Month, it's just interesting to think about how rhyming in kids' literature, how um, verse in kids' literature is just a, is an on-ramp for kids who find like the reading of traditional novels or traditional picture books maybe a little intimidating, right? How like rhyming and and poet poems and books in verse just create an open an opening for some children to find their way into reading. And I love the idea of that. I That is such a fantastic point you raised because I think that's so true. Like uh, it's almost like it makes it accessible, you know, like mm-hmm. um, because uh, over the f- past few years, there, there's been like this, a lot of conversation around, which I love about how, you know, like, at the end of the day, it's all about stories, you know, how, mm-hmm. just how we interact with stories and how we come to know those stories. It doesn't matter if it's um, what format they're in, how they're told. And I think it's a fantastic, like poetry has given another option, you know, to, uh, and I, it's also just like, it's delightful to indulge in poetry. I, I know as an adult, like some of, um, when I read a particularly uh, fascinating poem or I just, I I just print it out immediately and I just read it like multiple times a day. So it's just Mm a, um, gorgeous experience to like indulge in. And I'm excited that it has become so accessible and available for children of all ages to enjoy. I agree. I think also just the rhyming. I'm thinking about for my own self yeah. and in, for the kids in my lives. So I have uh, I have a couple of friends whose kids, you know, have either speech impediments or um who are just working on development developing speech and rhyming is such a fun tool for them to be able to navigate language um and for them to have just kind of entryway. So I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I'm like I'm excited that to experience poetry and for kids of all ages to experience poetry. Yes. But I'm also thinking about like, yeah, Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout is just like super fun to say. <laughs> and if that like is your opening, like you you want to read more books like exactly. that, you want to read more poetry like that. Well, I had an interview, a fantastic interview with an incredible writer and poet, Charles Waters. So I really want to share that with you. So um, Charles has written a plethora of um, children's books and he's just a consummate poet constantly thinking about how poetry um, should be incorporated in children's literature, how how to build books that um, create encounters for children with poetry. Um, so I'm excited for you to hear our interview. 
I'm joined today by Charles Waters, who is a children's poet, actor, and co-author of Charlotte Hook Honor Book, Can I Touch Your Hair? Poems of Race, Mistake, and Friendship, as well as co-author of Dictionary for a Better World, Poems, Quotes, and Anecdotes from A to Z. His poems have appeared in various anthologies, including One Minute Till Bedtime, The Arrow Finds Its Mark, A Book of Found Poems, and the National Geographic Book of Animal Poetry. Charles performs his one-person show as well as conducts poetry performances and workshops for elementary and middle school audiences, and he lives in Georgia. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It is National Poetry Month, and I cannot think of a better way to celebrate this month, um, as well as kids' literature in verse, than to talk with you about Dictionary for a Better World and your other amazing work. So i just love, love to just jump in. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to co-author Dictionary for a Better World with Irene Latham? Uh, Dictionary for a Better World came about through a rejection, actually. Oh. We had a... Uh, synopsis for a possible uh, sequel to Can I Touch Her Hair? And we sent it to Carol Hens, the editorial director at Carol Rota Books, an imprint of Learner Publishing Group, and she wasn't feeling it. We, we both found out later on what was wrong with that uh, proposal and synopsis we sent Carol. So we put that in the drawer and um, Irene and I happened to actually be together for an author presentation, a joint visit in East Grand Rapids, Michigan. And usually that was the first time Irene and I had actually been together for a author presentation. So usually when you get news like this, I was living in New York City at the time and she lives in Alabama. We get this separate, we get this um, at different times, but here we got it at the same time, this news. So Carol said, we still love to work with both of you. What other ideas do you have? So we got out a notebook and started writing down ideas. Irene got, I'll never forget, Irene got out the notebook and, and we started firing off ideas. And one of those ideas was Dictionary for a Better World. So it came about through a rejection. I love that. What a great story of triumph there. Yes. <laughs> <It's>, yes. <laughs> that's yes. so great. We were, we were um, sad then we got fired up. We, we, we allowed ourselves to grieve momentarily before getting back to work. Um, it's such a gorgeous piece. So um, our, our former co-host, um, Matthew Winner, I was talking to him about children's books in verse, and he was like, you have to talk about Dictionary for a Better World. <laughs> so he, we were on the phone, and he literally got the book out and read me one of the poems, and it was just so gorgeous. And I think one of the most striking parts in, in, as you're looking through the book is that while it's walking children through this lexicon of words for a better world, right, you're also teaching them about different styles and forms of poetry, right? So from page to page, each poem is in a different format. Some of them are oriented differently. I'm curious about how you decided to make that choice. And yeah, let's start there. Irene and I are both interested in books where, because when you think about it, every story has probably been told in some way. And the goal with writing, in my opinion, is to put your own spin on things or to take things that have already been done and just push them a little further. So instead of a book 
that deals with uh, poetry spanning the alphabet, wouldn't it be an even greater challenge to have it in different forms? And it's one of those things where you say that and then you, you commit yourself to it and then you see the work you have ahead of you. And then you go, <laughs> what was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> and that happened many times when we were creating the book. So there is a professor named Robert Brewer who um, has a blog that has different poetry forms that he does with uh, his students and with um, other poets all over the all over the world. So we use that kind of as a basis. It was something, it was, a, it was a whole lot of forms. And then there's a book called A Kick in the Head, edited by the late Paul B. Genesco, which is a children's poetry anthology about poetry forms. So those were the bases. It's such a daring choice. I just, it's like really visually arresting. And then also it's really, it's just so beautiful to just like I said, to be able to walk kids through different things. They're learning different things as they're going page to page. It's the words, but then it's also these forms of poetry. I love it. Um, do you have a favorite poem in the book? I know it's hard to choose when you've spent so much time laboring over all of it, but do you have a favorite? I, I do have a favorite, and I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's, Irene has a poem uh, that talks about microaggression uh, and talks about, um, talks about hate. And, um, and I don't remember off the top of my head, but um, it's probably my favorite one in the book. Um, usually with the collaborations between Irene and myself, m anything we've done, my favorite is usually something she wrote. Uh, <laughs> for Can I Touch Her Hair, our first book, she wrote a poem about news, which is about police brutality, written with such uh, grace simplicity, sensitivity, and complexity. Uh, it's about a daughter. It's about a father taking his daughter out for a walk and explaining these murders that are happening at the hands of the police and trying to explain this to his child. So when you read it, it's about a father taking his daughter to the park, but it's about so much more. Um, it's, um, yeah, so it's, I'm trying to think, I, I can't think off the top of my head. I should have had the book in front of me, Nicole, but it's totally fine. I, the, the poem you just described in can I touch your hair? sounds gorgeous. I haven't had a chance to look at that book, but that sounds beautiful. It's you know, the, the book was, um, you know, it's, it, it's written, it's about, it's a book about systemic racism for kids. And there's a double page spread that deals with the police. And I have a poem and she has a poem. And my poem was about how, despite what you see on TV, there was a police officer who, which is based on a true story, did a really kind thing to me when I was a young, when I was a young person. And trying to weigh that in his heart with what he sees on television. But I do want to give a shout out, go back to dictionary. I, I, all the things you said about being striking and, and what have you, I, I appreciate very much. And I want to give a super special shout out to our illustrator of that. Yes. Her name is Mirdo Amini. 
She's originally from Iran. She lives outside of London. She lives in a place called Surrey, England. And this is uh, a book that she's done, uh, which is different from some of the other books she's illustrated. Most of her books she's illustrated deal with Muslim culture and Muslim practices uh, and Muslim faith. So um, I, I'm a big fan of her books and want to give a shout out to Golden Domes and Silver Lanterns, a Muslim book of colors, which really touched my heart. Yes, I love that. We love illustrators on Kidlet these days, and we know that Kidlet would not be possible without their incredible work. And the illustrations in the Dictionary for a Better World are incredible. So thank you for that. Yes. Um, when you're writing, which comes first, uh, the story or the form of the poetry, or is it even possible to distinguish like the order that they come into you? That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not sure which which comes first. I just kind of just write them down and mm-hmm. kind of just see what happens. Um, you know, sometimes it, for dictionary, we had, uh, we had these lists, we had these lists of, I don't know how many poetry forms, like 80 of them. And uh, we, we were trying to figure out uh, what's what. So the form in that case would, the f- so that's a good question. I guess, let me see, I'm trying to think of the process. So we had these letters that we divided up. I think the book is like 23 poems a piece or 24 poems a piece and four we co-wrote together mm-hmm. and we would just pick and choose which word, which letter from the dictionary and which word it would be. And then the form came or sometimes we would look at the form <laughs> and then look at one of the letters and go, well, maybe this matches that. So it was in a way, Nicole, it was like trying to play a poetry version of Tetris <laughs> it sounds like a puzzle. Even as you were talking about it, it sounds like a puzzle. You're like, mm, this one doesn't go right here. It goes, maybe it goes over here. Yeah. And a lot of things got, and a lot of poems um, were, uh, got cut that I was pretty passionate about. And so was Irene, but we had to tell the story. And uh, to the writers out there or illustrators, when something gets cut, as painful as it is, what I do is try to save it in my email. So at least it's not gone for good. Uh, that helps me somewhat with uh, cutting things. Um, I love so, it. so the answer. So is you're also. I don't know. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it sounds like maybe it's maybe it's all of the above. You know, right? Like maybe the poetry came first in some. Maybe the form came first in others. Maybe the story came first. It sounds like in this book it was all three. Yes. Um, so I'm curious. So you also are a teacher. You teach poetry and uh, writing to elementary and middle schoolers. And I'm curious, how has that work changed in the pandemic? And in particular, we're doing this whole episode on children's literature in verse. And I'm sure it's going to inspire some parents or families or community members to want to try to help develop their children's poetry writing practices. So I'm just curious, what have you learned in the pandemic as you've been doing this? Uh, what lessons or tips do you have for parents who want to help develop their children's poetry writing? Oh, it's changed in the pandemic in the sense that uh, we, everything is virtual. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a, it's a virtual, and I'm not, the, I'm not the only person to say this, but it, it's, my, it's only my opinion. But it, it, as great as it is, it's not the same, but it's something. Um, and uh, hopefully when we get to the other side of the pandemic, we take the good things we've learned from the virtual situation and uh, and adjust with the rest um, because it, it, you know 
I just had a school visit and the kids were waving goodbye to me. And my heart broke a little bit because I, I had a chance to at least elbow bump them or give them a fist bump or, you know, there's something about this being in person that just changes the chemistry of, of a situation. Um, so the, that's how the work has changed in terms of teaching uh, or, or doing author visits. It's, it's changed with writing uh, workshops because I don't have the time. We don't have the time to actually have a writing session in real time with them. They have to do that probably afterwards with their, with their teacher. Um, what lessons do I have for parents, families, community members want to help their children develop their own poetry writing practice? You know, I would say, in my opinion, Nicole, is to keep a notebook. It could be a pocket notebook. Uh, it could be something, uh, an app on your phone. And if you see something that interests you, just type it in and save it. And then, you know, buy a pocket notebook. If you have a trunk, just put it in the trunk or in your desk drawer or something and transcribe after a while what's on the app to the notebook. And what that does is over time, you accumulate things. And maybe one of those things could be a poem idea or, or some other piece of writing or some other piece of genre. So I think that's a great lesson or a tip to uh, pass on. Um, I love that. Yeah. Stay ready, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, and have it in front. You know, they, it's, 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 it's having, you know, I tell them, you're, you're just collecting experiences. We're, we're the accumulation of our life experiences. So you're collecting things. You can come up with a thought at the dinner table. You can come up with a thought playing with, you know, your dog or cat or whatever animal you have or something. And then when you, if you want to write a poem, you have pages and pages of stuff to work from. You don't even remember writing down in the first place. That's a really, that's a really strong position to come from as somebody, if they, if they're interested in writing. And I love that a lot. I, um, so I don't write poetry, but I, I write prose. And I used to keep a notework, notebook in my purse back bef- in the before times when we went out with purses. But um, <laughs> um, I used to keep a little notebook in my purse. And, you know, sometimes stories would come to me that way. So I imagine I, I love that as a practice. Um, so there are so many amazing children's books in verse. I'm curious, what children's book and verse are you loving right now? And do you have any favorites you'd like to share with us? Uh, Nicole, out of all the questions you've asked, and they're magnificent, this may be my favorite because I just love <laughs> sharing stuff. I just did this with a librarian on the school visit, Mrs. Lynch. I asked her, <laughs> I said, uh, email me any book, any books that you, <laughs> that you enjoyed. You said, I, I, I said, just email them to me because chances are at some point I'll order them from the library. Uh, Nicole, when, uh, novels and verse, first of all, are, are a life changer. Uh, I, I think they're a game changer in education. I mean that with my whole heart because I love that there's so much white space on the page, so it's less intimidating for a, a, a person who doesn't maybe have a passion for reading. You can knock out five poems easier than you may be able to knock out five pages of prose, let's say. Uh, I like it because... Uh, uh, some novels, some of them are short and you can get through them in a, in a couple of days, like The Crossover by Kwame Alexander, which I think is a game changer. I've had more librarians tell me that students have read that book 
who are not particularly big readers. And they come back later that day or the next day and hand it back to them and say, what else do you have? Oh, I love it. I mean, it's just like, you know, just hearing that, just hearing that story, having nothing to do with it, I felt like I could fly forever. (laughs) And I didn't have anything to do with it. So I can only imagine what the librarians must feel like. So I I think verse novels are a game changer. And I I wish that this would have happened when I was uh, the same age as as the children. Um, I just read a book called The Land of Cranes by Aida Salazar, who wrote The Moon and Sky. Oh, I love Aida Salazar. She's incredible. Yes. Oh, yes, I agree. And and I just read Land of Cranes, uh, which is a, a story about immigration. Uh, told from this perspective of uh, uh, a person who's, I think, about eight or nine years old. Uh, right now, I'm reading a book that has knocked me sideways, and she may be one of my favorite writers. Uh, I wouldn't say my favorite because I don't want to you know, put put because there there's so many good ones. But I adore Carol Boston Weatherford. Uh, Carol Boston Weatherford has written verse novels from everything from. Uh, the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, to uh, Arturo um, uh, Schomburg. I think I'm saying his name right. Uh, founder of the Schomburg Center. Uh, mm-hmm. To uh, the book I'm reading now, which is Beauty Mark, which is a novel and verse about the life of Marilyn Monroe. And, um, and there's a lot of things about Marilyn Monroe's life I did not know about and that I'm finding out in this book. And uh, it's a beautiful uh, novel and verse. Uh, I'm a a fan of Nikki Grimes, Nicole. I I think a book that students would love, especially ones that aren't big on reading, would be a book called Garvey's Choice, which is uh, about a a child who has the voice of an angel, but uh, his father has a hard time seeing that because his father is a very, quote unquote, man's man, like sports and what have you. And one step for his son, that's not who his son is. So it's about understanding a child for who they are and leaning into that instead of leaning into what you want them to be. Uh, I love that. Nikki Grimes is also a favorite because she, she, she came on for one of her newest picture books. Um, because you matter, I think all because you matter. Um, and that was, we had a lovely conversation. So I would, I'm excited to dig into that book. Uh, you'd love Garvey's Choice. And Garvey's Choice, Nicole, is short. I mean, Garvey's Choice is like, it's a small book in terms of size. And I don't remember how many pages it was, but I'm, I'm talking maybe like 90. And it's all written in uh, a poetry form that I cannot remember off the top of my head, but is difficult to write in that form for a whole novel in verse. But she makes that story move. And for students who find a lot of lines on the page and being intimidated, you won't find it with that book. Um, She's also wrote a book called Bronx Masquerade, which was the first uh, verse novel I ever read, uh, which is a story of a multiple multiple character novel and verse story about a middle school in the Bronx. That, that really touched me. Um, there's a book called Forget Me Nots by Ellie Terry, which is about a girl with Tourette syndrome and falling in love um, and having an overbearing mother. <laughs> it's just a, just a wonderful book. Outside of my life experiences, 
And that's why I, I, I like them so much because verse novels are a gateway into a, a different world. And um, I adore them. Um, one more would be Under the Mesquite by Guadalupe Garcia McCall uh, about a girl whose mother uh, is dying of cancer. Uh, told with such um, dignity and, and, and grace uh, that befits the author, because I know Guadalupe. So I, I would have been doing, I would have been doing somersaults had I known about these books when I, if I, when I was the, these children's age today. I just didn't know about the format or I didn't know about poetry. It was never taught to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really affected me because I didn't get into poetry until I was 29. So it affected me because I feel like I've been playing catch up uh, for for the past uh, eighteen years. Uh, well, we're so glad that you you are and that you've entered this space and um, and are, are adding to the canon of of children's literature and verse. Um, Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for these incredible recommendations. Some of them I hadn't heard of, so I'm excited to dive into them. Um, and again, thank you for contributing to this rich world of poetry and children's literature. It was my pleasure to be on your podcast. Uh, You rock. So does Matthew Winner. (laughs) And I want to thank you for all you're doing on behalf of children's literacy because uh, it's needed. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. This episode is sponsored in part by Beatrice Bly's Rules for Spies by Sue Fleece. A young spy in training puts her sneaky skills to the test when the class pet goes missing in this picture book series, Starter. Beatrice Fly isn't just a spy. She's a super spy, and she knows all the rules. She follows the clues. But when Edgar the hamster goes missing, will Beatrice's spy training be enough to find out what happened? Beatrice Bly will teach young sleuths problem-solving and deduction skills as they scramble to figure out the case alongside her. This looks like fun. Yeah. <laughs> I immediately like narrowed it down on my shelf. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as you heard, um, Charles Waters, Waters gave us a great kickoff into our book talk. He gave so many great book recommendations. Um, so, but we can launch into our official book talk. Um, and so if you want to follow us or you want to um, learn more about the books that we're we are sharing today. You can follow the hashtag kill it these days on social media. Um, we also will have all the show notes, all the books that um, Charles mentioned in his interview, as well as the ones that Nusra and I mentioned now will be included in the show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. And you can find this episode, episode 52 of Kidlet These Days. And you can always email us at kidlitthesedays at bookriot.com. Um, so, of course, I wanted to start off with uh, Charles Waters' book. It's called Dictionary for a Better World, Poems, Quotes, and Anecdotes Anecdotes from A to Z. It's written by Irene Latham and Charles Waters, and it's illustrated by Merkdot Amini, which I think is also the illustrator of your next yes. pick, huh, Nusra? <laughs> yeah. So my first pick is Golden Domes and Silver Lanterns, a Muslim book of colors by Hina Khan, and it's illustrated by uh, Merkdot Amini. 
And I thought it would be a fitting occasion, as I mentioned earlier, um, since a lot of Muslims are getting ready to uh, getting ready for their first fast, um, to mention this. And this is a fantastic book in verse. And what it does is um, from a red prayer, like it takes everyday Muslim items. So a red prayer rug to a blue hijab. So everyday colors and uh, Muslim items are taken and they're given special meaning as young readers will learn about clothing, food, and other important elements of Islamic culture. And we have a young Muslim girl who is acting as the guide and who's asking all these questions. And it's a fantastic uh I just wanted to read out just a bit, of, like the first page of it, because I, mm-hmm. um, it sounds fantastic. It's it's go it goes. Red is the rug. Dad needles on to pray, facing towards Makkah five times a day. So that's like it. Um, it has captured just like four lines. The Muslim practice of like praying five times a day, but also there is this. Um, the illustrations are absolutely stunning and i think just the um incorporation of colors is such an innovative way to get uh, children to engage with the material so again that's um golden domes and silver lanterns a muslim book of colors by henna khan i love this the uh, book i have is starfish by lisa phipps it's uh written in free verse and i have been anticipating this book for almost a year because I remember when it was like the book release was coming out. And so I just started reading it um, and it is already just beautiful, but it, um, it is about, uh, it's written in part about Lisa Phipps experience as a young fat girl and her experience being bullied. And so she writes this gorgeous, gorgeous um, uh, middle grade novel. And I just, I'll read the description a little bit. So since Ellie wore a whale swimsuit and made a big splash on her fifth birthday party. She's been bullied about her weight. To cope, she tries to live by the fat girl rules, like making no waves, avoiding eating in public, and don't move so fast that your body jiggles. And she's found her safe space, her swimming pool, where she feels weightless in a fat-obsessed world. In the water, she can stretch herself out like a starfish and take up all the room she wants. It's also where she can get away from her pushy mom, who thinks criticizing Ellie's weight will motivate her diet. Fortunately, Ellie has allies in her dad, her therapist, and her new neighbor, Catalina, who loves Ellie for who she is. And I just love this. Um, I've loved how Lisa Phipps has talked about it, um, you know, and and just the messages around there's nothing wrong with Ellie's body. What's wrong is how people around her um, interact with her weight and so and react to her weight and bully her and choose to to view her. And so I love this book. Like I said, I just started it um, and it's already very lovely. So I, I want to add that to the list. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Uh, my next pick is, um, what are you glad about? What are you mad about? Poems for When a Person Needs a Poem by Judith Wurst, illustrated by Lee White. And <laughs> I wanted to add this book here because, uh, so my toddler just turned two and she has a lot of big feelings. And um, <laughs> my husband and I, we talk a lot about, you know, how we can teach her to deal with those feelings in a way that is productive but doesn't demean her experience or you know that Mm -hmm. you know um we've just have been having a lot of conversations around that and i feel uh books play such a huge role in helping kids process that um so and this is a book that i uh, found already at an old bookstore uh at a used bookstore as well so i was i immediately added it to the list and it it so what it does it it like has these clever hilarious like 
poignant poems and they touch on every aspect of you know of being a child like the it's the description itself says that it touches on every, the roller coaster aspect that is childhood <laughs> and it has stuff like did you wake up this morning all smiley inside does life take i like uh, does life taste like ice cream and cake or does it seem more like your goldfish just died and your insides are one great big ache and it's like it's um it gets a little like it seems a little uh, intense when you're like why do i want to talk to my kid about this but it's excellent and i feel like um it it's like it's it's also a great pick me up for adults but it's also like a great way to you know help your kids process the fact that you know they're not going to be having positive feelings all the time or mm-hmm. how to uh when they how to process something that's not that's not ideal for them but how to process it in a healthy way so um that's uh what are you glad about what are you mad about poems for when you a person needs a poem by Judith Wiest illustrated by Lee White <laughs> I love it. So mine is The Magical Yet. It's by Angela D. Terliza. Um, and it's illustrated by Lorena Alvarez. Um, and I think I might have mentioned this on a previous episode. I just love this book. It's really sweet. It's about just so the yet is like the personification of of all the things that could happen, all the things that are yet to be. And the book is really about not giving up and and really like if you keep going, if you keep pushing. You can you can accomplish these dreams. You can chase that magical yet, um, and I love it. The illustrations by Lorena Alvarez are stunning. Oh my gosh, they're so beautiful, um, and it's this lovely rhyming book, and um, I love it. There's this part's like this is actually one of the most visually stunning parts of the book, but it's like don't give up now. There's a major game changer, a most amazing thought rearranger, something to show you how good you can get. Now introducing, and then on the next page, it's the magical yet. Um, so yeah, I might need to add that to a sticky note for my workspace. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, my next pick is Inside Out and Back Again by Dan Ha Lai, and this is um, actually a National Book Award winner. And the reason I wanted to add this in here is um, because it tells the story of a very like it tells the story of a turbulent time it tells the story of like you know um how like how lives were uprooted during a uh, during uh, the war time but at the same time it also it, through verse it shares like the perspective of the child who's uh, telling the story like and it offers like a moment glimpses of hope or like glimpses of strength like how Uh, the narrator is finding strength from within herself to go on and to you know to be strong for her family so um the story goes for all the 10 years of her life ha has only known saigon the thrills of its markets the joy of its traditions and the warmth of her friends goes by but now the vietnam war has reached her home and her family is forced to her and her family are f- forced to flee as saigon falls mm. and they board a ship headed towards hope In America, Ha discovers the foreign world of Alabama, the coldness of its strangers, the dullness of its food, and the strength of her very own family. And it's um, it is equal. Like there, there are parts which make your heart ache, but at the same time, you can't help but hope along with the narrator. So I just wanted to add that in here to just um, 
I think it's such a unique perspective, you know, seeing turbulent time through a child's eyes. Uh, so that's Inside Out and Back Again by Dan Howley. I love it. And um, I have one last word, Wisdom from the Harlem Renaissance, which is by Nikki Grimes, recommended by Matthew Winner. Um, and so I, so the great thing about talking to Charles Waters was we talked a little bit about the fact that in Dictionary for a Better World, he and his co-author Irene Latham really explore these different types of poetry, right? Like every poem, they're trying to explore a different poetic, like, style, um, which I think is incredible for an A A through Z book, number one, and then number two, just in general and helping to introduce kids to different styles of poetry. But so this Nikki Grimes book is inspired by the Harlem Renaissance and the writers and authors and thinkers of the Harlem Renaissance, which of course was this time in the 1920s where Black artists and intellectuals um, really had this uprising and renaissance. Um, And so Langston Hughes came out of that time. Zora Neale Hurston came out of that time. These are the Harlem Renaissance folks. Um, But so she, Nikki Grimes, in writing this book, she uses what's called the golden shovel poetic method, which I don't know, but basically creating poems based on these masterworks from poets like Langston Hughes and Georgian Georgia Douglas Johnson, Jane Toomer, and others. Um, And so it's just a really beautiful book. It's also gorgeously illustrated. And it's from a collection of illustrators. Um, Nikki Grimes does some of the illustrations and artwork. So does Pat Cummings, Brian Pinckney, Sean Qualls, James Ransom, um, Jakava or um, Javaka um, Steptoe, and really a lot of others. But it's a gorgeous book. It's a gorgeous exploration of the Harlem Renaissance. At the beginning and at the end, they give a summary of what the Harlem Renaissance was, what it meant for black black life and black art. Um, so yeah, one last word, wisdom from the Harlem Renaissance by Nikki Grime. Uh, all right. My next pick is the red pencil by Andrea Davis Pinkney illustrated by Shane W. Evans. And, um, I, I know we always uh, like, uh, you and I have talked about this, Nicole, that how, uh, it's so, um, like it's so fulfilling with, especially as a child, you see your story on paper. Like when you mm-hmm. see, uh, when you can, when you read a book and you you say yes, that's exactly what I went through, or this is what like my people of my culture have gone through, and so that's why I wanted to include all um, another a book, and this is uh, set in a Sudanese village, and um, it also uh, like has uh, features a child telling her story through a turbulent time, but it also. Um, uh, it's it talks about like how she finds this one item and how she uh, goes on this journey or like how she goes like how she turns that into something big so um we have uh amira who's just turned 12 and she her life is peaceful in a sudanese village and um until it's shattered when uh Janjaweed, um a group arrive and uh, these attackers they're ravaging the town they're looting and um she loses nearly everything and so what happens is uh they need uh, Amira and her family need to evacuate and head to a refugee camp and um her days are rough and she has to really find within herself to you know carry on to help her family until the gift of a simple red pencil opens her mind and all kinds of possibilities. So it's um, it's a heartbreaking, but also very, very uh, de- like 
just the, it shows the power of the smallest object, like how like how your perspective and how your strength can turn the smallest object into like something that can change everything. So it's The Red Pencil by Andrea Davis Pinkney, illustrated by Shane W. Evans. Another book that I'm really excited about, I've mentioned it before, um, it's called Other Words for Home by Jasmine Warga. It's a middle grade uh, book and it's in free verse. And I just love this book. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous story about Jude, whose family are refugees from Syria. I also think there's a trend in the books that we pick today around books in verse, especially the middle grade books, being able to delve into harder topics through poetry, through um, different modes of storytelling. So I think that there's something in there. But yeah, she's they're they're Syrian refugees. Syrian refugees. They're coming to Cincinnati, and she's really navigating this new experience as in in America um, as a refugee and what that means for her um, as she's navigating new schools, new language, new people. Um, and so I really I love other words for home. It's a gorgeous book, and it is told in free verse. Um. All right. I think that's that's it for our book talk. Yeah, uh, but if you are looking for more book recommendations or just more for bookish goodness, you can always visit bookriot.com. And for more podcasts, you can always check out bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you for joining us today. And for all of our previous episodes of Kidlet These Days, I also want to thank our original founding hosts, Karina Jan Glazer and Matthew Winner. And as always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you help other people find us and, of course, find great kids lit. Um, so you'll, you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at IttyBittyNY. And you can find me, Nasra Javed, on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Dr. Baker for sound editing on this episode. They have been editing Kidlet these days from the very beginning. Um, and if you have a story idea, you can reach out to us on social media, but you can always use the hashtag Kidlet these days. Um, hashtag kill it these days. Um, we love to hear what you thought about this episode and what you want to see more of at Book Riot. May your coming days be storied and may the good stories keep on coming. <laughs>